A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said of your, to your ancestors, you shall not kill. And whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into the prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, Everyone who looks at a woman with, with her, with lust in his heart. Everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife unless the marriage is unlawful causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not Take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair, white or black. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So I see a number of children in, in Mass today. So would the children like to come up? We're going to have a little children's homily. If you're new here, we do this every week. We, have, we invite the children to come up and we have a little children's homily. Come on up. Yes, we have one little brave girl and more... More of you, everybody come up. If you're 12 or under, come on up and have a seat with me on the floor. And uh, make sure I've got all my puppets. Here we go, missing one. Yeah, come on up, come on up.
Your sister what? She didn't want to come? That's okay. We won't make her. Hi. How are y'all today? Excellent. I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about this girl right here. Do you know who she is? Annie. Yes, we know who this is. This is Annie. Everybody likes Annie, right? Annie was a really sweet little girl, but you know, unfortunately, her parents died and she became an orphan. And at the time, most, of the, most orphans grew up in orphanages, and so Annie lived in an orphanage, and unfortunately, the person who was in charge of the orphanage was a very mean person. Her name was Ms. Hanrahan. Do you remember, you remember from the movie? Ms. Hanrahan. Ms. Hanrahan was very mean to Annie, wasn't she? And she would say things like, clean up the floor, you won't get any supper. And Annie was very afraid, and she tried to do her best, but a lot of times she'd make a little mistake, and Ms. Hanrahan would punish her. And so Annie was very afraid of Ms. Hanrahan, so much so that she ran away. And when she ran away, she got a new friend, a, a dog. Do you remember the dog's name? Okay, trivia question. Who knows Annie's dog's name? Sandy. <laughs> Sandy. So, so Annie got a friend named Sandy as a puppy dog. I did not know your cousin has a dog named Sandy too. Oh, that's special. Not doesn't look just like this one. Okay, well it's with there. It's different. It's bigger. Okay, a bigger dog named Sandy. Okay, so Annie and Sandy were happy, but Annie was really kind of young. You know, she wasn't able to get a job, and she got hungry. And Miss Hanrahan found her, and took her back to the orphanage, and Sandy had to hide because Miss Hanrahan wouldn't let the dog in the orphanage. So Annie was afraid and tried to work real hard again, but then something really special happened. Daddy Warbucks came to adopt Annie, and Daddy Warbucks became Annie's daddy and took her away from Miss Hanrahan, and they were very happy together. And Annie loved Daddy Warbucks, and Daddy Warbucks loved Annie, and they went and got Sandy, and so all three of them were all happy together. And sometimes Annie, like all children, had to do chores around the house, had to clean her room and things like that. Do you girls keep your room clean? Sometimes cleaning the room is hard. But you know, this is what Annie discovered. When she had to do cleaning for Ms. Hanrahan, she didn't like it, and she was always afraid because she was afraid of Ms. Hanrahan. But when she had to do chores around the house for Daddy Warbucks, then it made her happy because she was part of a family and she loved Daddy Warbucks and she liked to do good for him. So what she did out of love was fun and full of joy. And what she did because she was afraid did not make her happy. So anyway, sometimes it's that way with us and God, right? Sometimes, you know, if we feel like we have to do things for God because we have to, we might not like it. And sometimes we get to the point where I just don't want to do that anymore. But if we do things for God because we love God, then it makes our lives happy. Just like when we do things for our family and for our parents and for our brothers and sisters, it makes us happy because we do it because we love them. You haven't seen that movie? Ask your mommy to get the, rent the movie Annie to show you, okay? I love that. <laughs> My favorite part of the mass, right? All right, so 
Jesus was a traveling evangelist. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we had traveling evangelists. They would come to Canton, and they would throw sawdust on the dirt floor, and they'd build, set up a big tent, and the evangelist would preach for a week, and he would preach some hellfire and damnation, and people would sing and, and laugh and cry, and it was always a good, good thing. It was very entertaining to have the evangelist come to town. And then at the end of the week, he would pack up his tent and everything, and he'd move on to the next town. And he'd set up the tent, throw the sawdust down, and he would preach pretty much the same sermons he preached before, right? Because he was a traveling evangelist. He only had to have a half a dozen sermons. He just preached them in different places because he had a different audience. Now, today with radio and television, these traveling evangelists have to be a little bit more creative. But in that day, one, you know, a half a dozen homilies was all you needed. And it's kind of the same way with Jesus. Jesus was a traveling evangelist, and he would go from village to village to village and he would preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now remember, about a month ago, we had the feast of the baptism of the Lord, and at the end of that gospel reading, it says, after Jesus was baptized, he went from village to village preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And this gospel of the kingdom, we have in the gospels as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and in Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain, and if you read the two side by side, you see that they're obviously the same, the same sermon, although there are a few little differences, and some of that's because Matthew is writing to the Jewish diaspora in Alexandria, while Luke was writing to the uh, small Greek Christian communities that had been established by St. Paul. So a little different audience, and so the, the homilies come out just a little differently, but you can see that it is one story, and this is the sermon Jesus preached from village to village to village. This is the gospel of the kingdom. So what is that gospel? In today's gospel reading, Jesus invites his disciples into a paradigm shift. Now, a paradigm is not 20 cents. That's a pair of dimes. A paradigm is the way you look at the world, the way you see relationships. And Jesus is encouraging his disciples to change the way they see their relationship with God and their relationship with the law. You see, before this time, everybody saw the law as this uh, thing you had to do. You had to keep the law and do it or else you would be punished. And people lived in fear of God and in fear of the courts because you could break the law and you might get stoned to death. You could be treated badly. And so they did the law out of fear. And Jesus encourages them to shift from doing out of obligation or doing out of fear into a paradigm or a worldview of being. You still keep the law, but you do it not because of obligation. You do it because of who you are. See, Jesus teaches us to move from a law of obligation into a law of love. Remember the story of Annie, little orphan Annie. She had to clean and work for Ms. Hanrahan, and she did it out of fear and out of obligation. 
But when she went to live with Daddy Warbucks, became part of a family, and became part of a loving relationship, well, yeah, she still kept her room clean. She still did things around the house. But they became an act of love for her. So instead of living a life of anger and fear and frustration that you do, that was what happens when you live by the law of obligation, because she'd learned to live by the law of love, then she lived a life of, of peace and joy and fulfillment. And that's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do, to shift from an understanding of obligation to God into a law of love with God. And that love drives us forward. It drives us to do, but it drives us to do out of love, but even do more deeply and more fully. See, Jesus talks about the laws, and probably if we had the whole sermon, we'd probably, he probably went point by point through the various laws, and we have most of them, we have some of those at least, but he says the law tells you not to kill. Don't kill your neighbor. If you kill your neighbor, then you violated the law. But Jesus says, but if you live the law of love, you won't just not kill your neighbor. You won't get angry with your neighbor. Because what's important is relationship, the rela your relationship with God and your relationship with your neighbor. And to become angry with your neighbor breaks that relationship just as much as killing them would. So if your neighbor does something that makes you angry, well, instead of getting mad at them, try to understand them. Try to learn what's causing them to act this way. Live by the law of love. And then you'll not only fulfill the original law, but you go much deeper. It's much more focused, much more powerful. And Jesus goes through these various laws, saying that if you live by the law of love instead of the law of obligation, then your life is so much more full, so much richer. You don't just do the things that you have to do. You do so much more because you're doing it out of love now and now not out of obligation. Now, in a lot of philosophies, they, they argue this dichotomy between being and doing. And there are those who emphasize being... And they tend to emphasize meditation and consciousness. And those who emphasize doing tend to emphasize things like service and, and care for the planet. But Jesus is teaching us that what we do, we do because of being. That as we live in the life of relationship with God and relationship with our neighbors, then being flows into doing. Our doing comes out of our being. And so many of us tend to relate to God kind of like a boss. We see ourselves as employees of God. That we have these rules and regulations that we're supposed to keep. We have these obligations. You know, like getting to Mass on Sunday. Maybe that's why some of you are here, because, well, it's Sunday. It's my obligation. I get to Mass. And that's not a bad thing. But if you come to Mass not out of obligation, but out of the joy and the love of spending this time with Jesus, of receiving his body and blood, of being in fellowship with your neighbors. So did just come, receive communion, and race out the door. Instead, you spend time getting to know each other. 
and enjoy the fellowship not only with God but with one another, then it becomes so much richer, so much more fulfilling, that life becomes a life of joy and of peace and not of anger and frustration. In the passage we had from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we, we hear this passage often, right? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, but God has prepared for those who love him. And often we hear that in, in funerals, right? Because we see this as, as a reference to heaven. But the very next line says, but God has revealed it to us in the Spirit. See, St. Paul is not speaking of heaven specifically. He is speaking of our life here and now in the Spirit. That we associate heaven with being in God's presence and worshiping and being in peace and in fulfillment. And St. Paul is saying, if you live in the Spirit, you have that right now. You have the life of peace and joy and fulfillment now in this present age. And Jesus talks in his homily a lot about Gehenna. And a lot of times we associate Gehenna with hell. In fact, I got tripped up. The ordinary uses a different translation and it translated at hell. But the word there is Gehenna. And Gehenna is a real place. Did you know that? Gehenna was the Jerusalem town dump. And 2,000 years worth of refuse and garbage had been tossed into this dump called Gehenna. And at some point in time, it caught fire. We don't know how or exactly when, but in Jesus' day, there was this subterranean fire going on in this, this place of Gehenna, this town dump. And so smoke would smolder out of it. If you've traveled in Pennsylvania where the old coal mines are and you see that some of those coal mines are on fire and the smoke is just coming up out of the ground, it's really kind of spooky. And that's what it was like, the smoke just coming up out of this dump all the time because the fire never ended. So Jesus is saying, live by the law of love instead of the law of obligation so that you don't spend your life in the sewer. Don't spend your life in, this, in the dump. Jesus preached the law of the kingdom, but he also said the kingdom of God is among you. It's here. It's now. It is for you to enjoy the worship of Christ, the relationship with God as your Father, with Jesus as your Savior, the relationship with one another, in joy and peace and fulfillment now. God invites us to move from this sense of being God's employee to being God's family. We're not the employees of God. We are the children of God. And so that which we do, we do out of love, out of joy, out of relationship with God our Father, with Jesus our Savior, with one another as the brothers and sisters of our family. <coughs> Jesus invites us to move from obligation to relationship, to love, so that we can enjoy this life. We can do the same things that we ought to do, that we should do, but not because we should do, but because we do them out of love, love for God and love for one another. And in that transformation, 
We live the life of children of God. And in, as children of God, we know the joy, the peace, and the fulfillment that Jesus always promised us.